to, to talk to you since last Sunday. Last Sunday was an incredible Sunday. Um, last Sunday we received an offering to uh, drill a water well and plant a church in Tanzania. And um, we, we, have a, we have a vision here at Wofford City Assembly of God to rapidly advance the gospel. And um, we are working with a local uh, church, native church planter and a regional missionary to accomplish this project. And last week... By faith, we needed to receive $18,000 to complete the project in Tanzania, and I am here to report that over $30,000 came into the offering last week. If that don't turn you on, you ain't got no switch. I'm telling you guys, that is absolutely incredible. You know what, this morning I, I want to I talk to you guys about when we, when we harness ourselves in with the direction that God is going, incredible things happen. Incredible things happen. Guys, I, I called Pastor Bruce, Pastor Bruce Gunderson. I, I'm driving down the interstate on my way to Fargo this week for district council, and I called Pastor Bruce, and I, and I had to tell him. I was just so excited. Pastor Bruce was one of kind of the, um, he was very integral, he played an integral part in, in Wofford City Assembly of God over many years, uh, and um, he is, he's like a mentor to me, a great friend, and I called him, and he was so excited to hear what God was doing. And then he gave me this word, a word of warning. He said, Pastor Sheldon, just make sure that you always give God all of the glory. So could we do that this morning? Could we, could we lift our voices and give God praise for what he is doing? Thank you, Lord. God, you are great. You are awesome, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> Man. So guys, we, we sent $18,000 on to Tanzania. Uh, the re- remaining amount will, will continue to go to our World Changer vision, which is to plant a church, support a missionary uh, long-term in a certain area, or do a project uh, in every country of the world. And we are on our way. Guys, we believe by 2030 that we're going to impact the entire globe with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a powerful vision, but I want you to know we already have 24 countries down, and we are on the way to seeing God do something great. Isn't that amazing, guys? That is absolutely incredible. To God be the glory. Great things He has done. Hallelujah. So, guys, I. Uh, so. When, when churches come together and, and you get such a huge win like that, the next Sunday is a great Sunday to tackle touchy subjects. Because <laughs> we're all together. We're doing great. No, in, in trueness, guys, as I began to kind of contemplate on what, what God wanted for this week, I really felt like I needed to share um, about unity and the importance of unity in the local church and the body of Christ at large. You see, it's easy for me to talk about unity when we have just seen a supernatural display of unity last week where we all harnessed together in what God was doing and joined Him to make a difference in a country that we may never see. It's, it's, it's a lot easier to talk about unity during these moments than it is to stand here and talk about unity when your church is in factions and there's great dissension and there's splits happening. And so I, 
I don't, I don't ever want to be there. So I want to talk about unity now when we're unified so that we can be watching for the things when, they, when the enemy comes to try and uh, cause division and dissension in our group, that we can kind of push that aside and say, no, we want what God wants for us. And it's to be unified in our hearts and in our minds. So that's what we're going to talk about uh, this morning, guys. So ultimately, unity comes from God. But it is our responsibility as the church to protect unity. To protect unity. So, not very many people enjoy being wrong. None of us really do. Um, We all like to have things our way. I like to have things my way. Most of us think our ideas are the best way of thinking, and that other people don't have a clue what's going on. Guys, I believe that what happened this last Sunday was a powerful example of when a group of believers push God's interests ahead of their own interests, and that's when we see amazing things happen. So what does God's word say about unity, and how does it affect our lives? Take your Bibles and turn with me to Psalm 133. Psalm 133. I'm going to read Psalm 133 from uh, the NIV this morning. It reads this way. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil being poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Verse 1 says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. This is something that the psalmist David is writing and he's saying it's something that other people can see. They can look and say how good it is when people are dwelling together, how beautiful it is, how wonderful other translations say. In fact, the Hebrew translation of these words, wonderful, beautiful, uh, is, is actually, um, it's, it's, it's a word of pleasant or sweet. Pleasant almost like music and sweet like a fragrance. Okay? So it's almost like the psalmist is saying, let's not just use our eyes to see unity, but you can also use your ears, you can use your nose. It's, it's a, God gave us all of these senses so that we could sense unity. And, and this is when God's people live together in unity, you can see it, it's good and it's pleasant. How many know that there are times when God's people don't live in unity? None of you have experienced that before? I, has anyone, let's, let's show of hand, how many have ever met a mean Christian? Okay, oh, almost all of us. I hope it wasn't me. So, 
We've all met some sort of, of person that is, is mean or rude, someone that is in opposition to everything, maybe. Have you ever been in a situation where you get in a group of people and you don't know them very well, but when you get in that group of people, you sense tension, almost like you're walking on eggshells and you don't even know the people? How many of you have ever sensed that before? Whether it's at a job place or wherever. It's amazing how we can somehow sense disunity without even knowing people. And so I think, guys, it's very important that we all ask ourselves, am I the cause of disunity in the bodies that I'm involved with? Am I the cause of disunity in the bodies that I'm involved with? Am I bringing extra tension? Am I bringing something that isn't supposed to be there to my church, to uh, my small group, to a a mops meeting, to Oilfield Christian Fellowship, to, to your family, to your workplace? Are you the one that is actually causing or being the vehicle of disunity in those places? You see, guys, if... If unity is like a pleasant fragrance, then disunity is like, who farted? <laughs> I mean, I know that. Please, Grayson, don't tweet that, okay? We, uh... Um. If, if you're offended by that statement, maybe you need to think next time you cause disunity in the body of Christ because it stinks to God. It absolutely reeks in his nostrils. He's the one that sits there and goes, man, I want my body unified so that I can do incredible things, so I can pour out my blessing and abundance upon them. I want them unified together. But yet he looks down and he sees continual factions within churches, within friendships, within bodies all over our nation, all over our world, set up denominations, different people that cause division and, and dissension throughout all of the body of Christ. And God looks down on it and goes, that is not what I wanted. That's not what I wanted. You see, guys, it's interesting that this whole passage, and you're going to see this, this whole passage is actually about fragrance. It's about the smell of something. And unity, it says, it it is wonderful, it is pleasant, it is sweet-smelling when brothers dwell together in unity. That in verse 2 it says, It is like precious oil that is poured on the head, running down the beard, running down Aaron's beard, down onto the collar of his robe. Guys, this is speaking of the anointing oil of the priest and the anointing oil that was poured over them to anoint them. And, And for us, this is just a picture. If we picture this in our mind, we just picture a slippery mess. Right? That's what we're picturing in our minds. We look at this and we go, oh man, there's a guy covered in oil. This is, this is just yucky and all of this. Listen, if you're an Israelite, there was more to the picture than that. 
You see, if you were in the same room, you would be overpowered the moment that the anointing oil hit the head of the priest and began to run down onto his beard and run down onto his clothes. You would be overpowered in the presence of the most powerful perfume that you ever smelt. The, the, the oil was, was filled with, with different things. And, and, and as, as an Israelite, you would read this and you would think of the scent. You would think of the overpowering aroma of this moment. It, you couldn't just picture it in your mind. It began to permeate your nostrils. The oil had a beautiful and powerful smell. In Exodus chapter 30, God actually writes down and orders Moses. He gives him the directions how to make the oil and what to do with it. I want to read it for you this morning. In Exodus chapter 30, if you want to flip there in your Bibles, you can go ahead and do that. Exodus 30, verse 22. It'll be on the screens this morning. It says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, which is very important here, Then the Lord said to Moses, Collect choice spices, 12 pounds of pure myrrh, 6 pounds of fragrant cinnamon, 6 pounds of fragrant calamus, and 12 pounds of cassia as measured by the weight of the sanctuary shekel. Also get one gallon of olive oil. Like a skilled incense maker, blend these ingredients to make a holy anointing oil. Use this sacred oil to anoint the tabernacle, to anoint the Ark of the Covenant, the table, and all its utensils, the lampstand and all its accessories, the incense altar, the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils and the wash basin with its stand. Consecrate them to, be, to make them absolutely holy. After this, whatever touches them will become holy. Verse 30. Anoint Aaron and his sons also, consecrating them to serve me as priests, and say to the people of Israel, this holy anointing oil is reserved for me from generation to generation. It must never be used to anoint anyone else, and you must never make a blend like it for yourselves. It is holy. You must treat it as holy. Anyone who makes a blend like it or anoints someone other than the priest will be cut off from the community. Whoa. Powerful. These are powerful words. God gives them the exact way to make the oil. It's important. And listen, when you think about this, it was a powerful smelling anointing oil and it smelt like the tabernacle and it smelt like the Ark of the Covenant and it smelt like all of the utensils and it smelt like the priest. And in the marketplace, if the priest walked by you, you would smell something different. And you know what you'd say to yourself? That smells like the presence of God. How beautiful and wonderful it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It is like the oil that is poured down on Aaron's head and it runs down his beard and runs down. It's like David is saying that the beautiful scent of unity is smelled by everyone around them and unity is actually a demonstration of the presence of Almighty God. It's a powerful picture here. It smells like the presence of God. 
When people are unified, God is near. When people are unified, the presence of God is the strongest. In verse 3, still speaking of unity, it is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing. Once again, it's a fragrance, guys. We've all been there. We've all woken up in the morning after a fresh, clean spring rain, and we've smelt that smell, that, that, the, the smell of, of freshness, the smell that brings life and renewal and newness. It's that fresh spring smell. It's the dew or the light rain that cleanses the air. Unity is clean. It's fresh. It's freeing. But then at the close of this verse, it kind of gets confusing. It says, for there, the Lord bestows his blessing. So where is there? Is there the beard of Aaron? Is there the hem of the robe? Is there the Mount of Hermon? Is there the Mount of Zion? You see, guys, David writes this entire psalm with one theme in mind. It's unity. And what he is saying is what is happening in the opening verse So there is unity. He says, there, for in unity the Lord bestows his blessing. How wonderful and beautiful it is when brothers dwell together in unity, for there the Lord bestows his blessing. So, unity is where the Lord bestows his blessing even life evermore. Guys, when we are unified, there is a special anointing that God pours out on our lives. And when we have unified hearts and the presence of God is being near, amazing things begin to happen. So how do we take all this unity stuff and apply it to our lives? I think there's some real strong applications here. First off, let's tackle um, why is it difficult for us to have unity together? Why is it hard? Well, there's one thing that, that is a big game player in unity, and it's the enemy, the devil. You see, he wants to create strife, discord, disunity, chaos at any chance that he has. In fact, the Bible says in John 10.10 that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his purpose. That's his livelihood. That's what he does. That's what he wants to do. He wants to, to destroy you. He wants to create disunity in your hearts and in your lives. Listen, I want you to understand, if you're struggling in your marriage this morning, listen to me. If you're struggling in your marriage this morning, I want you to understand that I think you're fighting the wrong enemy sometimes. A lot of times you're fighting against each other, guy versus girl, you're always doing this number, guess what? There's an outside source that's trying to cause disunity in your hearts, and you guys need to unite together and say, we're not going to have that in our home anymore. We're not going to allow the enemy to continue to run rampant in that anymore. See, guys, when we come to the understanding where disunity comes from, if we can begin to see it, I believe that we can keep disunity out of our out of our marriages, we can keep disunity out of our families, we can keep disunity out of our church, we can keep disunity out of our community, we can keep disunity even across denominational lines, we can, we can break down those walls and begin to see unity and God do something great in this region if we, can just, if we can just focus and understand that disunity is from the enemy and unity is the vehicle in which God pours out his anointing in a powerful way.
So let's be on the lookout. Okay, we want to, we want to be on the lookout. So, so let, let's, let's back it up. So the enemy is one portion of disunity. Let's look, what, why is it difficult to have, have unity? I think one of the reasons why it's difficult to have unity is because we have to put God's interests ahead of our own interests. And sometimes it creates disunity. What happens is, it's much like in the Garden of Eden when the enemy comes to Eve and tempts her and says, hey, why don't you have that fruit? You'll become like God. Did God really say those things? And she determined that she was going to. Now, the devil was part of it, but then she took ownership. And she determined and said, hmm, I think I have my own interest in mind. I'd like to be like God. So she takes her own interest in mind. She takes the fruit. She eats it. She gives it to Adam. Adam says, hmm, I think I'd like my own interest in mind here too. So he eats it, and then we have a mess ever since. You know? But basically, it's, it's when they're, you're pushing... Uh, disunity happens when we push our own agenda more than God's. The second one is it's, it's difficult to have unity um, because we have to put others' interests ahead of our own. The greatest challenge to unity is selfishness. The greatest challenge to unity is selfishness. In Philippians 2.3, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but with humility consider others better than yourself. Paul wrote many times to try and preserve the unity of the church for people to get along with one another. And most of the time, he says, you need to consider the other person first. You know what? You know why else it's difficult to have unity? is because it takes spiritual maturity to be unified. It does. It takes spiritual maturity. Do you remember when Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, he talked about, before you go during eye surgery on someone else to remove a splinter, you need to take this out of your own eye. A log. It's about spiritual maturity and the fact that you sit there and you go, you know what, rather than getting your own way, your own interests and all of those kind of things, rather than looking at the speck in everybody else's eye, maybe you need to focus on yourself and go, what glaring inadequacy do I have in my own life that impedes my judgment and my vision? Am I the one that is actually causing disunity in the situation? See, guys... Unity can be difficult because it takes spiritual maturity to recognize your own faults before you try and bring correction to someone else. Guys, I want to see God move in our community. see our community impacted with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to see our, our country. It desperately needs to be impacted with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ultimately, the world. But it will take large portions of selflessness to see that accomplished, of not having it your way and not having it my way and realizing that unity starts with me. Who does unity start with? Me. Unity starts with me. And guys, I believe that God blesses when we unite together and we put God's interests first, when we put God's interests ahead of our own, and there is a blessing that is found in unity. It is worth it to have unity. 
Guys, throughout Scripture, there are some incredible stories. This Wednesday night in our small group, Heidi led uh, our small group this last Wednesday night, did a great job. And she, uh, she talked about at Cornelius' house, Cornelius in Acts chapter 10 brought a group of his family all together and they were unified and they were expectant about what God was going to do. And when, uh, when Peter came and began preaching to them, he got about halfway through the message. He didn't even have the piano player come up or give an altar call or nothing. Halfway through the message, all of a sudden, people start bursting out speaking in tongues because they had accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ and were filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the same moment. And the, other, the disciples in the corner are going, we weren't even sure they were going to listen or even be able to do this. Do you think we should baptize them? I mean, they're just kind of going, what are we going to do with these people? But there's something powerful about the expectation and the unity that was in that group. Think about in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, there was something similar that was going on. Jesus said, uh, go and wait in Jerusalem and you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and unto the ends of the earth. And then in Acts chapter 2, the people are waiting, they're praying, they're unified, the Bible says in Acts 2.1, that they were all together in one accord in one place. And as they were praying, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit happened and it filled the room. It was an incredible moment. But you know what, guys? It didn't just stay in the room. A lot of people want to take the Holy Spirit and we'll just bottle it up and hold it to ourselves and just go, all right, hallelujah, we're having good church. You know what? It spilled out into the streets and the city was transformed. Thousands of people came to know Jesus. I mean, it was amazing. Yeah, that's good. So what I'm saying, guys, is, is when we look at these demonstrations of God doing great things throughout the Bible, never is unity absent from those moments. If God's going to do something great, he's going to harness the power of individuals into a group, and he's going to use them to accomplish something incredible. So, guys... I believe that God wants to pour out His Spirit in supernatural ways when we as a church continue to humble ourselves and unify together in the direction that God is going. And that's when God shows Himself powerful. There's one more very key component about unity, and I'm just about done, that's very, very important. What you have to understand is that unity is a gift from God, but you are responsible to guard it and protect it. That is your responsibility. It's your responsibility to guard it and protect it. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, and this is our closing scripture. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, reading from the New Living Translation today. It says, Therefore I, Paul writing this, it says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead your life Worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Verse 3, focus on this. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Guys, it says make every effort. That means this is on our part, that we make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit. One, there, are, there are a few key rules for our board members here at the church. And one of them is about carrying something. Titus Stenberg at the back, what do you carry all the time? Water, not what? 
Gas, that's right. Tom, you knew that, didn't you? The men of this church are committed to always carry water, not gas, when it comes to disunity. That means that if they see a fire and people causing fires or problems or those kind of things, they are committed every time to put that out. I want to tell you guys, and I want to entrust this power to every person in our congregation. If you see disunity happening in our body, I encourage you, I implore you, I beseech you, whatever word I can use, always pour water on the situation, never pour gas on it. Never erupt it into a huge flame. Because there is something powerful when we protect the unity that God has given us. When we are in it together and we say we're going to accomplish something great through the power of the Holy Spirit. So guys, I encourage you. So hey, you know what? Scripture tells us, listen, how do we deal with this? So, so does everybody just be quiet and let people offend them and all of that kind of stuff? Like, How does this work? There are a few key things. Listen, if someone, um, if you have an issue with someone, Scripture tells us that you need to go to them privately, face to face. You don't tell anybody else. You don't go to, you don't go and tell all your friends. You don't get your small group all gathered around you and go, so and so said this and that and you know all of this kind of stuff. But it's the fact that you go to them face to face and say, listen, there's something that, something's not jiving here. Something's not right. And you talk it through one on one. You work that out. God gave us these instructions for a reason because he wants to keep unity. You know, another thing, if, if you have been offended by someone else or, or there is some offense that has happened or taken place, can I encourage you as the mature believer for you to go to them first and apologize first? Be first to reconcile. Be first. God's, uh, the Word of God tells us that we are the ministers of reconciliation. That's our job. We go and we bring restoration and healing to situations, not more pain and suffering. So I encourage you, that, that, that's what it looks like. So guys, listen, I believe that God has amazing things in store for our church. Would you agree? I believe that. And I believe that God continues to unite, even in a stronger capacity, the unity of our hearts towards common goals, towards common vision, and what he is wanting to accomplish in our city, in our region, even in our country and around the world. So guys, here's the thing. Do everything that you possibly can to protect the unity that God has given us. It is an absolute gift. Not all churches are like this. It is an absolute gift. I have pastors, friends of mine, that go into board meetings and have shouting matches trying to get their church to move in a certain direction. I've never once had to raise my voice in a board meeting in the 15 years I've been in this church. Because we're in it together. We want to see what God wants done, not our own personal agendas. Guys, I am absolutely... Can I just thank you as a congregation today? Because, guys, my children are are what people call PKs. They're pastor's kids, and sometimes it's difficult because they kind of live under a microscope a little bit, and people look at them a little bit differently sometimes. My kids, in some capacities, they don't even know what that means when their PK friends talk to them about that. 
They're just like, it's just church. We just love to go. That, that you've treated myself and my family with respect and you. Guys, you have no idea the gift that God has given us as a church. It is incredible. It is incredible. You are unique. You have been formed by God to accomplish a powerful task. It is not an accident that any of you sit in this room today. I believe that God has positioned you for this time and this moment right now. Guys, can we close in prayer today? And this is what I'd like to do. I'd like us, I'd like us to, to do a physical representation of unity this morning. Could I have you stand up, and this might be uncomfortable, use spiritual maturity today, okay? Can you just stand up, and I'd like us to stretch across the rows today and just take hands of the person next to you. Whether you know them or not, just stretch across. I want this to be a signification of unity this morning, of what God is doing in our church and in our hearts today. If you can stretch across and connect different places, that'd be great. I'm going to join the line here. Can I hold your hand? Is that okay? All right. Can we pray together as a church for the continued unity of God in our congregation? Father, I just lead this great group of people today, God, to your throne. And Father, we ask by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would continue to unify us in the direction that you would have us to go. God, we humble ourselves as individuals and we say, not our will, but your will, God. And we ask, Lord Jesus, that you would use us to accomplish your will and the desires that you have. Father, I pray for Watford City Assembly of God. I pray that you would put a a protection around our church, that you would keep out unity, the enemy and the destroyer, Lord Jesus, that you would keep out selfishness, Lord God, and that you would bring protection, and and this would be a place of refuge and healing, Lord Jesus, for other people. God, I pray for the other denominations in in our city, Lord, that, God, you would build bridges to them, Lord Jesus, that you would help us to be unified as the body of Christ across this entire region. We pray for unity, Lord Jesus, of the hearts and the minds of the people of our region. God, we pray for a country that is in desperation and and in splits and and disunified as ever before. God, we need a sovereign move of the Holy Spirit to bring unity and to bring uh, uh, peace in chaos times, God. We just pray for the unification of of our country. We pray for the unification of the church at large, Lord Jesus, that God, you would give us the ability to work with one another to accomplish your good and your kingdom to advance. Father, we pray for the church abroad, many of them suffering under persecution today. God, we pray that you would unify them, Lord Jesus, that you would unify all of our hearts, that God, we would be waiting and longing for the day that you would come back for your bride, waiting, Lord Jesus, longing, bringing as many people as we possibly can with us to heaven for eternity, Lord Jesus. God, continue to use us as a people. We are broken and we are cracked and we need your help, God. Help us to guard the unity that you have placed in our midst. And we pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus today. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys. You may be dismissed this morning. Continue in unity.